Hey, and welcome to the Girl Live Unleashed podcast. I'm your host, LaToya Addy, and thanks for tuning in. Each week, I'll have conversations that give you real life tools to get clear, feel aligned, and be confident so that you can break through anything that holds you back from living life to your fullest potential. Okay, so I am here with Megan Robertson, and I've known Megan since 2002? Yep. Wow. I know. That is is pretty insane. Um, So we we met um, in the dorms at Cal State Long Beach. Um, go beach. Yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> and, you know, she was just really a genuine person and I loved her spirit. Um, and so I'm so happy to be talking with her, um, this evening. And so Megan, do you want to, um, just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So um, I'm currently a special ed teacher and I've been in education for about 10 years now. Um, I have previous experience as a behaviorist as well. Um, I have two children, one is five and one is seven. And um, I am adjusting to the new teaching style through zoom and that's kind of my new life these days um and yeah that's just a little bit a little bit about me and it's fun to talk to you after all this time um you have a really special place in my heart too and even when you asked me to do these interview questions I was like Latoya is so smart I gotta make sure I gotta make sure I you know do my best so (laughs) well yes (laughs) Uh, definitely (laughs) I think I'll never forget um, when you told me, you're like, you're like the most organized person I know. And True. I was like, yeah, maybe in college. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much now, especially with COVID, but you know. So today um, I wanted to talk with you about just how you're making an impact in education um, and really using the climate and kind of just your background. Um, Well, people don't know um, that you are married to an African-American man. Yes. And so, definitely wanted to talk with you about just how that has impacted not only your life, but um, definitely your role in education. Um, And so I definitely wanted to kind of get your feel or your take on, you know, like what social justice means to you um, and what place does it really have in the education setting? Yeah, so social justice to me um, is distributing resources fairly. um, And it also has a lot to do with treating all 
um, you know, in the classroom, treating all students um, in a manner that they feel safe um, and secure and comfortable. Um, and I think as far as education goes, since um, the uh, sad, honest truth is that America has failed to implement social justice in education um, and our black youth is heavily impacted by that. And as you mentioned, um, you know, I'm married to um, a black man and I also have children that are mixed, but as we know, will be looked at as um, black, which is, which is awesome. But I think that it's really, um, it's helped to guide me in my lessons too with the questions that they come to me with. Um, it's helped to kind of shape and mold and kind of modify my teaching. Um, and then I've seen as a special ed teacher just firsthand um, the repercussions of um, uh, like overrepresentation of black students in special education um, and the factors um, that play a role in this, uh, inappropriate referrals for assessment due to um, things like bias, environmental impacts, poverty and poor general education instruction. So those things um, can send them on a one-way path to being, to qualifying for special education when they, when it um, oftentimes isn't a genuine um, referral. And so some solutions for this that I feel are, I mean, I was kind of thinking like, to me it's common sense, but I know to a lot of teachers it's not, but to me really going out of our way and especially we know with the number of white teachers in education to really go out of your way to build rapport with our, our black and brown students, really, um, you know, finding what they're interested in, um, connecting with families, um, you know, and, and I think that once we do that and we've opened the door to really allowing families in and seeing, you know, what, what we stress in the classroom and to kind of just get a full team together, you know, and I think that a lot of, a lot of times that can, that can help our students to succeed to their, their max potential. And, um, you know, I think just making school a space that they want to come to because sadly white supremacy has infiltrated our education system. And so, especially as a white teacher, I really have to be mindful mm -hmm. um, and going out of my way to support with change. And I think that um, that building rapport to me, like that's been the has that's had the biggest impact. Um, on my students and uh, families and, you know, things like even just finding their interest and watching them do something they're interested in and, and being able to find their strengths through that. Um, and also, as we know, research has shown that students perform higher and better with teachers that they like. So just really working um, hard to make sure my students know I care about them and the families know that as well. Um, so I think, I think that's that important that that piece is really important because a lot of times I think that people forget that education, um, it, it starts in the home. So parents are usually like the first teachers or, you know, parents are guardians. Um, right. And once they are entrusted to teachers 
or the school system, it's really a partnership, um, right. like a team. And so that, that's really important. I think that the relationship that you touched on, having that relationship with the students so that they know that you're there to support them, but also the families, um, because too, there's a lot of outside factors that play into, um, you know, education and just kind of how the student um, kind of filters into their, their day of learning. Right. And so how would you say um, that you distinguish between, because you did mention kind of um, in your definition of social um, justice, kind of like mm-hmm. a spreading of resources. So how would you distinguish between equity and equality in school? And would you say that those are like one in the same? They definitely are not one in the same, although um, I think people have mistaken them as one in the same. Um, equality is is treating everyone the same regardless of their need. So just across the board, treating everyone the same, whereas um, equity is treating people differently depending on their needs. So it's kind of like we should become synonymous with um, the idea of more for those that need it, right? So it's like putting systems in place to ensure every child has an equal chance for success. So if that means a little bit more for one student that needs a little bit more, that's what that's what we're doing. Um, and and you know, so really factoring that in, and I think that um, it's really important to understand the difference. Right. Um, so. Yes, there's definitely a difference. And you mentioned that, you know, when you were telling us about yourself, that you are a special education teacher. Would you say that um, being in that field of education or that expertise um, has really helped you to really understand the difference between the two in comparison to um, your peers, like your fellow teachers? For sure. I mean, I teach primarily on a general education camp. Like I'm the only um, resource teacher um, for middle school at one of my sites. And then I'm, there's only two other at the other site. So primarily general education teachers. So oftentimes I'll get things when I'm talking about accommodations or things that um, certain students need, or even if it's, you know, breakfast in the morning, we need to make sure that they get that or whatever it is. um, They'll say, well, you know, that's not fair, or that's not equal, or that's not, you know, and it's like, well, we need to do more for those that need it. That's just, that's just the way it is. And, um, you know, I think it kind of, it's just a part, I get, I get that a lot as a special ed teacher. Like, why are we doing so much for, for these students when, you know, it's not fair to these other students, you know, but um, I think a, a really good way of looking at it is just, you know, doing more for the students that need it. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's just what we have to do. It's, it's our job, you know, so. Yes. And um, last year you attended 
be about it. So unpack yes. um, white privilege and bias um, and anti-racist instruction. Can you share mm -hmm. some of like your big takeaways from that and how um, it has really like transformed how you teach? Sure. Um, so I really learned um, that it's crucial that I sit in um, my discomfort, just being white and having privilege and um, really being mindful of that because that's the only way that I can support with change is by, um, you know, having hard conversations. Now, having hard conversations has always been easy for me with my family and my friends and people that I'm close to. But after this training, I really felt like I needed, they really talked about um, being anti-racist has to happen like across settings. And I really found um, that I needed to make a goal of in the workplace, I needed to um, speak out more when things were said. Um, I'm still, to be honest and to be vulnerable about it, um, I'm still working on it. It's still something that I struggle with, um, but it's something I'm always like, I'll even role play in my head. Like if someone, you know, someone says something like this again, I'm going to say this, or if, you know, or if they're teaching something and it's, and it has a white supremacy basis to it, then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this after, you know, or I'm going to just just ways to kind of work with that. And, and that even, even like talking about that makes me feel uncomfortable, but then I'm like, Hey, that's part of what needs to happen here is, is I need to look at what, where do I need to do work and, and, um, and looking at what I've done, but then it's always, you know, it's like part of being a change agent is like never stopping, you know, it's like, once you've solved one thing, you got to go on and especially feeling that like feeling uncomfortable um, I think is, even though it's hard, like it's what we, especially as white people, we have, we have to do it, you know, and it's, and it's our responsibility and it's our duty. And I, and then, so when I think of these things that make me, you know, uncomfortable or nervous, um, I think about, you know, my kids and my friends and my family that I care so much about. And I'm like, you know, with privilege, um, comes power. And so why don't I use that? you know, try and use that for good, you know, and try and, um, you know, use my voice more cross settings. Um, cause I found at work, it's hard for me, for me to do that. Um, and I'm getting better and I've made some, some headway, but I feel like I definitely, and then I guess part of me is nervous that I'll like, am I, I got to remain professional. Am I going to like fly off the handle, you know, like, so <laughs> So I got to like find, you know, make sure I'm finding, finding a, a good way to go about doing that. But I think that's been like, after that training, I was like, okay, like I have to, I have to do this. Like, I can't just do this with, you know, my friends and my family. I have to, cause that's been, that's been like, since I was little, that's been something that I've felt compelled to like talk about and just really express, you know, what's right and do what's right, you know? Um, but in the workplace, it's, it's a struggle for me. So that's kind of the training kind of helped me to kind of like take, take being, being anti-racist, like really looking at that definition and really making sure that I'm 
across settings being anti-racist. So um, that was kind of my biggest takeaway, although I learned so much, it was really amazing. Yes, and that that's important to understand that while you may not be in one setting doing one thing, but you're doing it in another. So I think the first step is definitely being aware and then coming up with a plan, a sure. goal. And I mean, it is not something that happens overnight. Um, so I definitely want to encourage you that, um, you know, I think a lot of times, sometimes in the workplace, people don't even realize some of the things that they say or do because it's so deeply ingrained in who we are um, that sometimes just someone calling you out on it or just bringing it to your attention, whether it be like in the moment or later on, you know, it really kind of helps you to see like, oh, I didn't even know I was doing that or I didn't know that you know, you felt that way because that's not the way that I intended it. And so right. it's really good to um, have those tough conversations, um, you know, whether it be in the workplace um, or any setting, um, mm -hmm. you know, for me, I'm kind of the opposite. Like I'm, I'm really good with having tough conversations like in the workplace, right. um, yeah. you know, but sometimes it's hard with people really close to me. And, um, but, you know, I, I, I'm always open to learn. I'm always open to kind of have conversations and really just relate to people and see um, where it is that they're really coming from. Mm -hmm. And then being okay with agreeing to disagree if, you know, if that's what the solution is. And I think a lot of times people just try to, you know, they have to convince you one way or the other, and it's more than okay to agree to disagree. Right. And that's something I learned in the training too, is, um, especially being white, like I, I can't get angry. Like I have, I, I have to, I have to find a way to be level headed about this and take people you know, like white family members or, or white friends that don't, don't get it or are, or maybe even are trying to, but it still sounds like what, like some of the things they say is like, are you serious? You know, but like taking them from where they are and not letting like anger kind of get in the way of really, um, supporting them and kind of changing their mindset and changing their thinking, you know, like, um, I have a few people in particular where I do, I do find myself like almost getting really like enraged. And I'm like, I, I can't do that because that could stop me from, because every time I talk to them, I'm, of course, there's some people that just, there's no budging on their way of thinking, but there are other people where I'm like, Oh, since the last time I talked to them, they read the article I sent them or, or, um, you know, they, they're looking at different literature. I mean, a lot of stuff that I do is with literature. I, I find that even with myself, you know, reading is really helps to solve a lot of problems and it's, you know, it really is knowledge is power. Um, but like really kind of trying to be like in the training, it was like almost trying to be patient, like being, 
being strong and saying what needs to be said, but being patient with, with how people are kind of processing that information and, um, and, you know, not giving up on just continually trying to educate them. And, um, for me, that's, you know, that's been something, uh, with some family members that I'm, you know, continually, and that's part of, you know, part, part of what needs to happen. And I, um, I find that it, you know, obviously kind of makes me, it can make me upset, but like those conversations are, are much easier for me than like in the workplace for, for whatever, I don't, I don't know the reason behind it, but, um, definitely working on it for sure. Yeah. And so, um, we've, many people would like to think that, you know, we've come a long way since Brown versus the Board of Education. However, um, you know, there are many that believe that that's untrue. So Mm -hmm. just share your thoughts around, um, around that whole like case or Mm -hmm. that theory behind Brown versus the Board of Education? Um, I mean, I think the sad truth is that we, we have a long way to go until segregation is over. You know what I mean? I mean, you could drive in certain areas and it's clearly, you know, black and brown. And then with the whole idea of you go, you know, you have your home school and then the resources are not distributed um, the way that they should be. I think that, you know, white supremacy uh, is, is still, it's sadly infiltrated and that um, the division and segregation is, is purposeful, you know, and I think we have to from, you know, from, from the top, I mean, and I'm learning more and more that um, a lot of people at the top are like the way things are the way they are right now, you know? And so it's going to really take teachers that want change. It's going to take that much more work to really, to really make it happen. Um, but I think I've just, you know, I've worked in, um, you know, the gamut of settings everywhere from Compton to Rancho Palos Verdes. And, um, it's very clear that segregation still exists in schools and, um, And with the high percentages, like schools with high percentages of of white students, um, I see things like them getting, you know, free iPads and and the the best technology, whereas the lower socioeconomic areas, we had a hard time getting paper and pencils, you know, or things like anytime, um, you know, I worked in in areas with higher um, black and brown students, um, we would have a code for, for our copies and it could just run out at any time. So we wouldn't have copies for our students. Whereas now I've never worked really in a public school, um, that seems to just have like endless funding. Um, and it's in a predominantly white and Korean area. And I don't, it's the first time I've never had a code for my copies. I can make as many copies as I want. And I was asking around and I said, you know, and I realized, okay, this isn't just me. This is, this is a serious problem. Like this happened to all, you know, and, and it's just, 
it's something that needs that needs to be addressed and it's and it's not you know and to say that um brown versus the board of education just now segregation is over and you know that's just not that's that's part of the problem because if we're not identifying a problem then we're not working to change it and it's definitely still a problem yes and i love how you said that it exists in other ways. So just to say something is done on paper or um, kind of like, oh, you know, we're integrated. You know, there's black, brown, um, you know, all kinds of um, nationalities at one school. Mm -hmm. You know, that that's not really saying that they are, um, you know, together. Right. Um, especially I know, um, you're in California and to me coming from California and being born and raised there now being in Georgia, um, you can definitely see the difference in, um, education and just like the way that they approach things and just like the resources to me, I feel like maybe because I was a student in California and now I'm a parent here in Georgia, really seeing exactly what you're saying. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't necessarily feel it as much mm -hmm. when I was going through school, but definitely now that I have children, you do see pockets where, um, you know, they don't have, um, textbooks, you know, they're sharing or um, the stuff that they have is like literally falling apart. Um, but then you go to another area and, you know, they have, you know, every type of technology you could think of. They have a state of the art facility um, and all like amenities that an education um, setting would have. And it's just kind of like, how is it night and day um, from one region to the, another? And you find that it's socioeconomic um, and then definitely in areas where there are more African-American people um, or Latino or Hispanic. And so that is, um, that's definitely insightful that you say, you know, that it's still, exist just in different forms. And I think that it's really good for people to understand that that's how racism and um, systemic oppression works. It doesn't, it's not in the form that, you know, they had back in slavery, um, but it has really morphed into right. other things so that it is kind of behind the scenes. Um, so it all looks to be okay and everything is like we're all equal, but in reality, it's really not. Um, so how do you think that we can move past what's kind of wrong with their traditional education model and make improvements? Um, I'm just gonna scroll here for a minute. Um, so I think kind of going back for me, a big way to make improvements is to that, that um, connection of school to home, 
and really building that, um, that bridge. Um, you know, it's interesting for me because I had a big switch. I mean, talk about like just looking at resources from like I used to teach in Bellflower and then now um, I'm in Fullerton and I'm um, in an area of, you know, with higher population of, like I said, white and Korean students. And I mean, I, I mean, like library renovations and when the library wasn't even, and like my old classroom, there was like a, almost a hole in the roof of my classroom, whereas like this library already looked brand new and now they're renovating it and getting a brand new library. Like, I was just like, what? Like, I, I was like looking around, like, is, is like, you know, when I knew I, it's like, I knew when I had read about these types of things, but to me, like seeing it all and everyone just like, it wasn't even, it wasn't even like talked about or discussed or anything, you know? And so I just think, I think, I guess moving forward and, um, in ways to, to help with this, I think is um, really like looking at these problems and talking about them and making like, making it like, wow, this isn't, this isn't right. This shouldn't be, you know, and I like, like even asking coworkers, like today, when I was thinking about the codes for printer, for, for our copy machines, like what schools did you have to have that at? What, why do you think that is? Like, I was asking them, like, why do you think that is? And, you know, trying to make people think, um, think about these things so that we can start to identify them and, and find solutions moving past. But I do think a lot of it um, is rapport building and especially really going out of our way for, for families that might not have that trust in, in, in our school system, you know, because it's broken, it's been broken. Right. Um, I think that that's, that for me, that's been, like I said, like, that's been like a major, major thing for me. And it's, and it's, and it's, really neat actually because a lot of these families still from other districts will reach out to me and you know it's 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 neat because they'll still tell me how their students are doing and um and I think just you know really identifying um ways to connect you know um and remind being being mindful as a teacher of my white privilege and and how and and um you know, in order to, to support with change, you have to be mindful of that. So, um, yeah, I think to me, just rapport building is really strong and going out of our way for families that, you know, might look different than us and just, um, need that, you know, they, they need, they need to feel that. And they might, a lot of times don't feel welcome and don't, um, you know, don't feel comfortable. And I think just going out of our way to show them that yes, and they're, they're more than welcome. And they're just as much a part of, you know, they're, they're more a part of their child's success than I am. I'm only a piece of it and I'm going to come and go, you know, so really involving families to me, I think is key. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know how I was thinking like one of the biggest problems I do think is teachers that are, you know, that don't see color and that, you know, believe that all lives matter. Um, I think that that's a big problem. You know, I don't, honestly, I don't know. I know what I can do personally. I can, I've been, you know, trying to educate people and trying to, trying to be a role model, make sure that what I'm teaching, you know, they can even overhear it or, you know, but I'm not exactly sure how to make that change, but I am, uh, it's definitely an identified major problem. 
um, that I'm, you know, I mean, I don't really have the answer to, but it's, you know, to me, one of the biggest issues. So. Yeah. And I think in that, just your honesty, as far as like saying that you don't have all the answers and honestly, neither do I. Um, and I think that, you know, a lot of people, when they ask for like your opinion, um, they take it and then they apply it on a broader scale to all people in your demographic. And it's like, no, I, I can't speak for all <laughs> black right. people. Right. Only I am one right for right. me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think that you know, but when you have rapport with people, then you can have those conversations and then see what people need individually. And then I think addressing it collectively um, will really help us to kind of get through that. But I think that, you know, you do have to, and you hit on this earlier, you have to be patient, mm-hmm. um, patiently, I guess, patiently persistent is what I'll say you have to be. Um, And just kind of continually have those conversations. Um, One of the things you mentioned too, is that you send people like articles, which I think is really, really cool. um, Because you do, in reading, you find different ideas and you're able to kind of research like, I'm a big nerd as far as like, you know, when I hear something, I instantly like go into like research mode um, Mm -hmm. and really try to unpack what it is that they're saying and find two to three sources and then formulate my own kind of idea. So I think that you sharing resources um, with your coworkers or even, you know, your family and friends is Mm -hmm. really, really awesome. Um, and so what would you say, um, is probably a book that you are either reading or have read, um, you know, that has contributed to like your inclusive mindset? Yeah, for sure. I, um, so as I think I was mentioning before that, um, I have a lot of talks with, with my kids, just, some organically and some that, you know, I might bring up myself, but we, you know, I found as a mom to black children that a lot of times I would be like stuck. Like, I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know how, you know, with these difficult questions that they're asking me and, you know, I just, I want to say what's best. And so then, you know, I do research and then I'd find, and now it's nice that there are, um, you know, there are beginning to be more and more kids books that help to support with, um, you know, just, I've found the biggest issue is my children. I want them to feel empowered and proud to be who they are. And, um, you know, I think that's something that I even like before I had my kids, I didn't realize, um, the for black children, like the, the, the missing piece in that in school, you know? Um, so I have a lot of books that I read with my kids first and we'll have discussions and I'll kind of develop like lessons in my head as I'm talking with them. Um, and, and 
and looking at like, you know, what do, what do my, you know, what do my white students see? Cause I teach everywhere from kindergarten to middle school. So things get a little more straightforward with my older students and I'm um, talking about current events and, and their place and what can they do and what role do they have? Um, but with my younger ones, um, this is definitely a good one. It's called, I am enough. Um, and it's by Grace Byers. And, um, it's just, about loving yourself just exactly the way you are. Um, and then this is one of my, my favorites. It's Emmy's curly, coily cotton candy hair. And it's by Tina Olajide, Olajide. I don't know if I'm spelling that or saying it correct. O-L-A-J-I-D-E. Um, and my, um, there's a little girl in my class who absolutely loves this book, like she just can't get enough of it. And so does my daughter. And it's so funny because they both like anytime we have free read, they're both requesting this. And I think it's really helped with um, my daughter because we've had issues with, um, you know, just her having different texture hair and, you know, um, her really loving, loving it. And even Jet will go, I love your cotton candy hair, you know? And so, um, but it's a really good, I think it's just really, and then I actually, um, this gives me headway into teaching about how hair is a part of your body and how, um, you don't, you know, you don't go touching other people's hair, mm -hmm. um, that, you know, you know, you, you just, you just don't, because I found now I'm realizing what a lot of white families don't talk about because, you know, they have the privilege of not having the problem. But um, I found that this was a really good one to kind of talk about personal space and respecting other people and their boundaries. Um, so I, I really like that one. It's a good like leeway into that. And then of course, probably a lot of people have heard of Crown and Ode to the Fresh Cut um, written by Derek Barnes. Yes, this is, this is like, I have, a lot of students that really love this. And then Jet, of course, is like, it's his favorite. Um, and then I have so many books. It's like ridiculous. This one, I'm like a children's book, like fanatic. So this one's, um, this one I absolutely love. It's more like poetic style. Um, it's called I'm a Brilliant Little Black Boy um, by Joshua B. Drummond. And um, it just talks about a brilliant little black boy and it goes through like his days and just what he does and how he explores and he's very adventurous and um jet actually i don't know i think it'd be a toss-up between um crown and ode to the fresh cut and i'm a brilliant little black boy for jet like those are um two of his favorite and then um i mean i could go on i'll i'll have this be my last this is dream big um it's about Michael Jordan um, and his pursuit of excellence. And this is a great one to just talk about, um, you know, persevering through, through um, adversity. And um, it's a really, really great book my students love as well. So I just take these and, and, and as I read them with my kids, I kind of just find, you know, extensions for lessons um, off of those. And then, um, yeah. And so, and now we're talking a lot about, we're doing a unit about, um, black inventors and, 
Um, they're doing research projects on that and then they're all going to share what they've learned. And um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think that that's, that's really cool. And I, the, the fact that you love the kids books, I find that if you can explain something um, so that a kid can understand it, then there should be no doubt in your mind that you really like understand it. If you can take something as like complex as, you know, like racism and all of that kind of stuff, and then unpack that on a kid level, um, there should be no reason why an adult can't grasp the concept. Right. Um, right. That's, that's why so many people, I mean, I love kid books too, because of that very reason. It's mm -hmm. so simple to understand what it is that they're trying to say. I think a lot of times as adults, we complicate things with lots yes. of words, big ideas, and kind of just, and it's just like, bring it all the way down. Yes, like, yes. Bring it all the way down <laughs> to a kid level. And if you can do yes. that, you know, we can all move forward. So I think that that is um, amazing. Um, who would you say is your biggest role model that who um, that has shaped who you are today? Mm. I would say, um, probably my mom. Um, I think that she, she has taught me, um, just how to, how to move past, um, kind of when the odds are, are against you just because she was a single mom and she went back to school when we were little and, and, um, really showed and, and and I think and she was also a teacher and I think that she taught me she really taught me that love you know love all your students despite their struggles she she taught emotionally disturbed students and um or students with emotional disturbance I should say the student before their disability but um she I mean which is which can be very difficult but her love, like she didn't even want to retire when it was time to retire. It was like her love, her love for it was so strong. And I think she instilled in me that, you know, that um, really love, loving people just for being who they are, even flawed and all. And despite, you know, their skin color or where they come from, um, that, that love is really like the key and it drives who I am as a teacher, but also just, I try to be that way just across, you know, all parts of my life. Um, and so she had a big, a big impact on me and, um, and being accepting, you know, because I think when, when you face adversity, you oftentimes don't want to be fast to judge because you know, you know, you know what it's like to be in that situation or, you know, so, I think that that's kind of where I get my um, just really wanting to to love people um, and be be a good person. You know, um, I feel like I fall short a lot, like even like I was like, I have so much more that I need to do just working to be anti-racist and everything. Um, 
But I think the key and just like, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. says is that if you have love in your heart, right. And, um, you know, that that's really, that's, that's all it takes as you, as long as you continue, you know, and, and as you mentioned, asking what a change agent is, it's just, I think it's like continually fighting, um, for, for social injustices and, and until it's, until it's done until it's over. So it's like a continual. And as we know, it's not going to be anytime soon that this is over. So it's going to be ongoing, you know? And so, um, yeah, I'd say my mom, my mom had the biggest impact on me. Yeah. Yes. And I, I love that. And to, um, I come from a single parent, um, home. So I completely relate to that. Um, it's just, there was so many nuggets in what you were saying as you were expressing, um, your mom being your role model. I think the fact that, you know, her passion for others, um, and in the Bible, they call them like the least of these, um, you know, like that speaks volumes because most of the time people who are different, either the way that they look or based off of their abilities are ostracized from, Mm -hmm. you know, society. And, you know, we can't move forward as a human race until we all um, feel as one. And I think that, you know, the way that we get there is how you mentioned, you know, with love, Mm -hmm. um, putting yourself in other people's shoes and knowing that the work that we're doing, no matter how big, small, um, that it is moving us forward. um, And then one day we pass the torch um, and being okay with that. And just knowing Mm -hmm. that Um, like my favorite thing to say is as long as when I leave from this world, I know that I made it a little bit better. Yeah. That's all that I really can do. And I mean, I I feel your um, frustration because it is with race, with um, abilities, it always feels like there's so much to be done. Um, Yes. But So yes, I completely um, get that. And so I guess to kind of end us off and I wanted to read a quote and see what your thoughts were. Hold on a second. I have my, okay. So the quote is by Lillian Laurie Mm -hmm. and it says, we have to understand that this is a national emergency if we're not educating all our people to be thinkers, to be civically engaged, to pay it forward, and to be and to be preserving um, our constitutional benefits, then eventually, like Rome, we would fall. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's the you know, the driving force and what I talk to my students about is that, you know, we, we all have the ability to support with change and it's, and it's crucial and it's, and it has to happen now, you know, and, and with my middle schoolers just recently, I've talked about like, what, 
what what is your goal to support with this? And as 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 I mentioned, um, and at my middle school, I in my class primarily it's white boys, and I actually got one of them to say, um, basically, you know, as a white boy, I I um, it's in. I have so much ability to work to change things. And, um, and then they talked about a lot of my students talked about, you know, taking, you know, sticking up for other people or, or, you know, befriending someone that might look different than them, you know, and I think it's just it really and especially our, um, our students and our, and our youth, we have to teach them so that, as you said, they can, you know, we can pass the torch and we can continue because it's, it, it's, it's an emergency, as the quote said. So, <laughs> hi, hey, hi, Latoya. Hi. <laughs> I'm almost, <laughs> almost done. I know she's like, I want to be, I want to say hi. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love that. I mean, that that quote is true. You know, any and and I don't know. I don't want to say it's scary, but like it's it is an emergency. You know, it's it's serious and. Um, I think that's why probably, you know, people like you and I get frustrated because it's like, why, why is not everyone else, you know, acting like this is an emergency? Like every single person should be acting like this is an emergency, you know, <laughs> so much to where my phone fell. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so again, I want to thank you for um, speaking with me tonight. I know that um, this can be a heavy issue, um, especially talking about race as it pertains to education. Um, but I just want you to know that I believe that you definitely are a change maker. Um, and I appreciate everything that you do, um, day in and day out, um, not only for your students, um, and your peers, um, but just educating, especially in, um, you know, a pandemic. So yes. I, I certainly appreciate you um, definitely from the top and the bottom of my heart. Oh, um, well, thank you. Yeah. And so if people have questions, how should they reach you? Um, I, they can email or I have, um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, really anything. Um, I can give out my email, do you think? I mean, I don't. And I'll share your um, email when I uh, okay. post Perfect. So. Yeah, yeah, I mean, any, any platform, I'm more than willing to. Um, this is important to me. And if there's any questions or anything that anyone has, I'm available. Well, thank you so much. And I appreciate you again. Um, yeah, I appreciate you too. You're welcome. If you found value in this episode, please share it and use the hashtag Girl Live Unleashed. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review. And as always, remember to break through anything to get clear, feel aligned, and be confident in living life to your fullest potential.